Welcome to episode 8 of season 2 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Wednesday the 2nd of March 2022. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and I'm joined by my co-host Jack Chambers. And today we're going to be talking about the Keyword Insights tool, launching version 2, errors in Google Search Console, a really cool English to regex tool. We'll be talking a little bit about Systrix Trendwatch and then we've got some bits on Google Shopping. So some more information on the Google Shopping scorecard we covered in the last episode and shopping stories. We'll tell you a little bit about them as well. Search for Canada is sponsored by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com SWC if you want to check out some of the excellent free tools such as SERP snippet validators, on-page analysis, href lang validating, page speed comparison, and tracking your site's visibility index. That's systrix.com slash SWC for free tools and to sign up for their free trial for their premium tools as well. Keyword Insights is launching their version two of their tool. We haven't actually spoken about Keyword Insights on the podcast before. Um, I probably should have because it's a really, really great tool. And the update, they've, they've essentially overhauled their user interface. They've made some uh, nice updates to their AI that generates titles. But I'm, I'll take a few steps back and actually introduce Keyword Insights uh, to those that have never heard of it before. So Keyword Insights, which you can find at keywordinsights.ai. I'll just read out the kind of blurb on the homepage for you. It says it's the smartest way to group keywords and classify search intent at scale. Keyword Insights utilizes geo-specific live search engine results pages, data to cluster keywords into similar groups, whilst also working out the search intent behind them. The output will tell you which keywords can be targeted on a single page and which need to be broken into multiple pages. I think that's actually a really good job of explaining what it does because yeah. that actually there, which is the job of okay we're trying to rank for these bunch of key phrases should we make individual pages or should we try and target them all on one page is actually one of the hardest questions to answer in seo now because the answer used to be when google was a lot more simple basically always just make another page individual because, pages yeah yeah uh, the title had so much weight and google wasn't that good at understanding the kind of nuance about the page so if you had a specific page for it you won basically and then we had panda which especially targeted what people were calling thin content which essentially was these very brief light pages and it was kind of preferring this deeper content and since then we've had loads and loads of Google updates that have looked at how they understand content in relation to search queries, et cetera, et cetera, you know, passage indexing. But we've spoken about all these before, which leaves us in a predicament now of this exact question. And it is actually something that comes up in pretty much every SEO proposal I do when we start looking at even these bigger kind of head middle terms that are ranking. A lot of the time we'll see there's a couple of pages competing 
because of the way they've been internally linked or the content's too close or they're targeting the same thing over a couple of pages. And there's a few easy ways you can manually check by doing things like, you know, Googling a couple of search terms and seeing is Google returning the same set of pages or very similar or are they completely different? That can give you a good steer to do that. And that's actually one of the things that Keyword Insights does for you at scale, which is really, really helpful because while that process is fairly easy, it's very time consuming. Yeah, yeah. If you've got a thousand things you want to rank for to then go and start pulling or even if you're scraping it yourself and trying to work out the diff between these. And then obviously you've got, if you have got a site that's targeting multiple countries, you have to repeat that process um, in, in all the different types of key phrases. And again, there's language differences there and differences in how Google understands languages because it's not always as well the obvious answer in that you kind of have to go with what Google's decided if you want to, if you want to rank. So they've just kind of done an overhaul. So if you haven't checked out this tool, it would be a good time. There is a free trial, which at the moment you can literally just sign up and basically go straight away, which is great. They have been talking on Twitter about how unfortunately, but not unexpectedly, People have been abusing the tool, the free trial, by essentially signing up with loads of different emails um, and just to get the free credits, basically. So they might look at doing something like making the first lot of credits cost a dollar or something. I think they should just ask for a credit card. But at the moment, <laughs> you can just go to keywordinsights.ai, um, give it a go. It's a really, really great tool um, and potentially will save you a lot of time and give you really, really good answers. While we're on tools, because um, I've got a couple of things to talk about tools today, mm. we're on the tools. It's a tool-heavy episode. There are some errors in Google Search Console. Yes. Surprise, surprise, yeah. I think we touched on this three times already since I've joined the show. Like, this is a recurring theme for us to talk about Google Search Console errors. Yeah, there's always something broken. But um, it's, it's good to share when it's broken so you know it's not just you. <laughs> Definitely. So at the moment... The Google Search Central Twitter account says yesterday, which was the 1st of March, we're experiencing an issue with the URL inspection tool, both in Search Console and the API. So you might see an increase in errors when inspecting URLs. We're working to solve this issue and we'll update you when we have more information. So that was yesterday. And as far as I can see so far, they haven't had a resolution yet. I actually experienced this problem at the end of last week so i think it's been patchy for ongoing a while, for a while yeah um which is if you try and use the inspect url in search console it was churning away for ages and then trying again and you would get the helpful error of oops something went wrong <laughs> um, not that you'd be able to fix it if it was more helpful but um that's so if that's happening to you it's not you it's a it's a search console issue it does mean however if, like me today, you were running diagnostics or crawls on websites with tools that use the Google Search Console Index API, you may be getting duff information back from that API. So you, you need to just double check that data you're getting back. Um, so the API, not sure if that can be trusted yet. 
You can follow the Google Search Central account if you're not already on Twitter. It's just at Google Search C. It's just the letter C to get updates when they fix this kind of thing. Normally very helpful um, just to, as I say, keep on top and save you going a little bit mad wondering, <laughs> just doing the same thing over and over. So yeah, do your GSC stuff later in the week. Yeah, we talked about the API quite a lot recently, obviously, because the big launch happened a couple of weeks ago. And surprise, surprise, we're hitting errors. I'm I'm not surprised, but yeah, like you said, Mark, it's good to let the listeners know in case they did have some weird results that were coming up or anything like that. You now have a possible explanation for your director or your client or yourself on your own website to hopefully explain something weird that you've spotted in GSC. So you can email and just say it's not my fault. Exactly. Blame, blame <laughs> Google. <laughs> have a shiny new tool a shiny new regex tool oh okay and i'm really happy about it and kind of sad so uh regex for those uh that don't know it just stands for regular expression and it's kind of a way of pattern matching which is super useful you use it in things like when you're doing redirects in ht access files you can use it in google analytics to filter data uh, you can use it in tools like screaming frog and the reason I'm happy about it is because regex is, I find, really tricky. Um, I've used it over many years, but I use it infrequently. So I always forget how to exactly <laughs> formulate the strings I need to by the time I need them again. It's really, really specific strings, right? Like you, if you even get anything slightly wrong, the whole thing goes out the window and you're basically starting from scratch. So yeah, it's nice to actually have something like the tool we're about to talk about that's going to help that process and hopefully translate it a bit so you're not just trying to remember the long string of characters and brackets and all kinds of stuff just off the top of your head the reason i'm disappointed though is it did feel kind of like a superpower <laughs> you know when someone's doing redirects you're like oh no look you can just do this one really complicated line and it does all of that wow <laughs> so it's just another one of those skills that i have that's becoming redundant because of technology so this tool is actually a Google Sheet script by Danny Richman. We will put a link to it in our show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. And basically what this script does is within Google Sheets, you can describe the matching rule that you would like in English and it will work out what regex rule does that thing. <laughs> which is incredible it's unbelievably cool yeah yeah i love and there's a four minute video on danny's website going through the process and just kind of pretty much explaining how simple and straightforward the process is and even he says the actual query is not too difficult you know the line i've written isn't isn't too difficult i was like well it seems absolutely genius to me so <laughs> he very much like underplays himself a bit but yeah it is pretty spectacular and i think there's some kind of like funny example like begins with dog is the first example danny uses on the video there and then he gets to much more complicated things contains any character other than i asterisk ampersand to or the at sign how on earth would you remember that <laughs> like yeah it's brilliant and and spectacular to watch it literally do it in front of your eyes and i know we've touched on some gpt3 stuff recently as well and just watching it work its magic in in real time continues to blow my mind 
yeah, as you say there, so it, it's powered in the background by GPT-3, which is how it's doing this magic of understanding, uh, the again, the intent of what you're trying to describe. So you will need to sign up for an account on openai.com. So openai.com now has some public betas that you can sign up for free. You get $18 worth of credits, which will get you pretty far, to be honest. Um, and then you can kind of pay in small increments from them. They've moved to this public away from a private beta. So you can actually just sign up, get an account straight away. And what you'll get then is an API key. And you just need to make a copy of the Google Sheet. There's a place to put your API key in. And then basically you're away. You can just start typing these descriptions um, and you will have regex generated for you. And it seems to be pretty accurate. One thing I'll add is if you did try this tool when Danny first published it and you were running into errors, this was because Danny was actually using part of OpenAI that was still in private beta and he's changed now the GPT-3 uh, model he's using in version two of his script. So if you were having problems before, if you go back and have a look, there's an updated link on his site now uh, to that version two. So it should, it should work if you did try it before and you're having issues, but definitely one that's, I can see sitting in my bookmarks now. Um, and yeah, taking away a superpower, but making my life easier. I'll take it. <laughs> Gives you time to learn other superpowers. Well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we're at the midpoint in the show. Let's dive into some data from the latest Trendwatch. That's Trendwatch March 2022 from our friends over at Systrix. I'm going to highlight two examples here, but you can, of course, get the full thing by going to systrix.com slash trends. You can sign up for the newsletter and you get the full 10 trends delivered to your news, delivered to your news box, delivered to your inbox every single month. And of course, you can get a preview on the blog there as well by going to systrix.com slash trends. I want to talk about one of my favorite animals, Mark. What is one of your favorite animals, Jack? The octopus. The terrifying octopus. They are a bit terrifying, aren't they? I remember reading a theory, some wackadoo crazy conspiracy theory, that they're like so far removed from any other animal on the planet, they might as well be aliens. There was a big like, did octopuses land on the earth from like comets and stuff back in the day? Some ancient alien theory. Might have been an episode of Ancient Aliens I watched back in the day, perhaps. I could see that. But yeah, octopus... Is, is trending quite strongly, interestingly enough. And and one thing I hadn't really factored into octopus trending as a search term in the UK uh, that Nicole Scott, the data journalist that wrote this piece, touches on here is there is a haircut called the octopus. What does that look like? Uh, it's Billie Eilish's haircut. I'm sure oh, that means a million things to you. Mark. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs> as a man who probably has never listened to Billie Eilish and is also bald. <laughs> It's like a, it's a, so kind of a shaggy multi thing where there's like a bit of a fringe and then there's kind of longer choppy like layers coming through and yeah, it makes it kind of look like octopus tentacles. Apparently that's the, that's the thinking behind it. And obviously Billie Eilish is one of the biggest pop stars in the world and is kind of inspiring a lot of people to get this haircut. You could have just said it's Garth's hair out of Wayne's world. <laughs> it is Garth's hair out of Wayne's world. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very good, that is a very fair point. Nicole also touched on a couple of other things. The Netflix documentary, My Octopus Teacher, which I tried to watch, but I felt very uncomfortable because I found that dude very weird. I love octopuses, like I said, but I thought the dude in that documentary was 
particularly strange. Have you seen it, Mark? I haven't seen it. Is this the the person that keeps seeing the yes, octopus? Yes, so he basically like falls in love with an octopus, and it's all a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. So I've seen a I've seen a bunch of octopi diving. Oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Of course, you have diving experience. Of course. Yeah, and they're super in the well. They're super interesting. A couple of things I found really interesting about them are that they actually collect loads of like nice looking stones and shells because they kind of live in all the ones that I saw lived in these holes Mm. and they would actually arrange them outside. But if you kind of go visit them when they're in, they use the suckers on their tentacles to basically brickwork themselves to make a wall. And then they holding up a shield. Yeah, they tuck themselves in, and then there's just these like little eyes, and then they, there's like this stone wall that they that's create. really cool. Yeah, that's um, what I find so fascinating about octopuses. It's like they seem so intelligent and so they use so many tools. They're and definitely they, smart. All the the yeah. different the understanding they have, like brains in their tentacles and stuff. It's blows my mind. The other thing I think that might be factoring into this that actually Nicole doesn't mention on Trendwatch is TikTok because. TikTok's a thing. <laughs> Mark's favorite website, TikTok. There was a plush octopus thing that was a trend on TikTok a little while ago. I've seen it being sold on those dodgy like street market things where people just sell like off-brand Fortnite figures and stuff like that. You know the ones, listeners of the UK, you've seen them before. And yeah, these weird little multicolored plushy octopuses. Apparently, people use them to like express their mood. There's like a grumpy blue one and a happy pink one and stuff. I'm in my 30s. I don't understand TikTok trends, <laughs> but I think that might also be a factor because there's been a big spike in the last sort of three months or, months or so in uh, sort of October sort of time last year coming through to now the end of January, coming through to February in 2022. Maybe it's a TikTok influence as well. Hair, Billie Eilish's haircut and TikTok. That sounds like a combination for a trend to me. It's a blame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I want to touch on, another little highlighted trend is... The e-scooter, specifically the phrase electric scooter. And uh, Nicole has highlighted some data here from Australia specifically, but just anecdotally here in Norwich, I've seen a lot more of them over the last few years. So I'm not surprised to see that it is a growing trend. There's been a lot of debate about kind of legislation behind it and how you register for things and whether you need driving licenses and all this kind of stuff. There's been a lot of debate about how that kind of works with these new like online rental systems and things like that that uh, I think is going to be sparking a lot of conversation online. So it makes sense to me you're going to see it trending. Yeah, I didn't actually know that Norwich is one of the trial cities, Yes, those electric scooters, and you're not even allowed to ride any other electric scooter except the two brands that are like in the trial, and that other cities don't have them, and you're not allowed to ride them in the road in other cities. It is weird. But this trend doesn't surprise me. So I saw, um, I think it was actually Daniel Foley, who is an SEO who we had on a previous episode and he was talking about where to learn SEO online. I know one of the sites he himself started was in this niche of electric scooters, and I saw his traffic uh, graph was, you know, classic, hey, check up my traffic, like 45 degree angles (laughs) shooting up. And I think that's partly because, yeah, like you say, there's this huge long-tail demand for the million questions people have about e-scooters like can i ride them when i'm drunk do i need a license do i have to be on the road can i be on the path what's the maximum speed i can do yeah can i put three people yeah on what's one? the weight capacity yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um and yeah he was he's having a lot of success i know in that in that niche essentially just sort of churning out content answering these questions so 
yeah, I think if they roll out sort of countrywide, so if the the trials are successful, I imagine that's going to become quite a big niche, especially if people are allowed to buy and ride other brand ones. Yeah, I do wonder if it'll explode even more. And like I said, this is data from Australia, but this is us anecdotally talking about our experience here in Norwich. So literally the other side of the world. I know some of my friends in the US are cruising around Texas, basically, <laughs> on e-scooters and stuff like that. So yeah, it's definitely a trend that is growing and uh, interesting to see Systrix highlight it there. If you'd like any more Trendwatch stuff, as I said, you can go to systrix.com slash trends. There you can sign up for the newsletter or you can read it as a blog post. But if you do sign up for the newsletter, you get the full 10 trends delivered to your inbox every month. So to follow up on something we touched on last week about the Google Shopping Experience scorecard, we actually kind of gave it over to one of our PPC team, our, our search specialist, Lauren, to have a look in a bit more detail and have a look if any of our clients were eligible for this and to see what kind of information she could get out of the merchant center side of things and kind of do a little test and see how she feels about the early implementations of that. And I've got a few notes from Lauren here. So thank you, Lauren, if you are listening <laughs> for uh, helping us out from a PPC perspective. Lauren says, basically, there doesn't seem to be any sort of vetting process mentioned, which I think is interesting because usually Google is very particular about that kind of thing. And uh, the information provided by the merchant within the shipping and return policies, they're calculated on on averages from other merchants, which I thought was very interesting. I'm kind of kind of not sure where Google is going with that one. Do you, what do you think, Mark? Like, I guess that's for like a particular um, industry or a particular sector. Yeah, kind exactly. Of thing. Exactly. So, like, we were kind of guessing this last week, and it sounds like some of it is kind of. Yeah, I think it'd be hard point. for them to set an objective this is a good returns window yeah. or this is an acceptable shipping price, um, even in specific industries, and it would be a complete pain to to maintain. But because they know the categories that all these merchants are operating under, I guess it's easy for them to take like a, a median or a mean average and say, okay, well, this is the bar. So if you're above this, it's good. If you're well below this, it, it's poor. And that makes yeah. sense because if things change as well, like for instance, you know, I know there's been complete nightmare uh, now in logistics since Brexit. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of postage and returns policies have had to change. So it allows Google to basically just not have to bother updating anything. <laughs> and and you know, it's, I think it's a good way to do it. It's just a kind of litmus test for the for the whole sector. Yeah, the way that shows it to you on the actual merchant center side of things, on the Google Shopping side of things, you can see basically like a bell curve of where the majority of your competitors and, and similar businesses are and you can see there's kind of a line where your price is and you can see roughly if you're above average below average or bang in the middle there and kind of uh yeah see see compared to yourself and compare yourself to your other competitors there as well even outside of kind of search ppc whatever i think it's really interesting industry information yeah for, for you just to be able to internally say hey look on average, our competitors are offering cheaper shipping or more better returns windows, all those metrics, you know, that before you would have to kind of go and collect that manually to to figure that out. Yeah, definitely. And I know Lauren touched on uh, not all of our current clients here at Canda who are eligible for it have the potential to actually go through it. Some of them have a it as an option, but doesn't have a scorecard like the, the program itself is an option but don't have the scorecard enabled yet. And some of them don't have the option at all. So it's very clearly a, a we're in the testing phase and kind of the rolling out stages at the moment. So 
don't worry if you're suddenly clicking around on your merchant center and you can't find anything. That is not unusual. There are only a few, I guess, a select few that have been uh, pulled through straight through to the trial stages at the moment. Something we did touch on that was they claimed was a benefit for joining this program was a badge. A Blue Peter badge from Google. So, uh, so Lauren's notes say the badge itself is quite underwhelming. <laughs> I love it. Show it to me again. <laughs> it's, it is. It's literally like it, it's literally like eight pixels. Yeah, like eight pixels. <laughs> it is so. It's so rubbish. <laughs> so there's a five star review underneath this product, and. You have like the number of reviews and it's always oh, five star, 193 reviews, blah, blah, blah. And it says the word store badge. And then in the tiniest, there's a little blue circle, I think. And this is how small it is. I think it's a G for Google. <laughs> I can't so actually rubbish. tell. Uh, and yeah, I think Lauren is completely right there. Quite underwhelming and not something I'd personally care about. It certainly wouldn't influence my buying decisions. I agree, Lauren. You're totally correct. Um, and I think the talking about the promise of prominence and placements on the shopping tab and better rankings is someone taken away and they mentioned that in another part of the help doc so they're trying to like balance all these different benefits and stuff but they seem to really care about this tiny little 10 pixel badge for some reason i think lauren kind of rounds us off with her overall feelings in the kind of unsurprisingly here if you've worked with google and a, a few of their programs whether that's seo or ppc or something else kind of looks like another way for Google to keep users on Google instead of seller sites using direct listings to then go through there. Yeah, trying to entice merchants to stick with the whole Google side of things and say like, yeah, we'll get you better rankings. Stay with Google. Everything's fine. We'll we'll give you beneficial treatment and all this kind of stuff. So it is just trying to keep everybody in there, in their little wheelhouse in the Google world. While the badge itself is underwhelming, I do think if this does roll out and it, it stays, because Google tries a lot of things and then just bins a lot of things, you know, whether it's Google Wave or Stadia or whatever, you know, things appear and disappear. If it does stay, I do think it could actually have a, a fairly significant impact on clicks on conversions. You know, I mean, we used to try and tell people, you know, oh, if you're shopping online, look for that tiny little padlock in your browser. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, that would influence it. And I think, like I said, we... Now, because we've lowered the bar of how difficult it is to set up a shop online in that anyone can sign up for a free Shopify account, connect a add-on and just basically connect up like AliExpress to Shopify yeah. for, for no money, that it's nice now that that bar has been lowered that maybe we've got an extra kind of check to to balance that out. So, yeah, I I completely agree, though. It is another way. And I think that's why the, all of this shopping stuff's happening is to keep people on Google. We've discussed that again before. So the, you know, the free listings in shopping ads is about expanding their inventory, becoming a trusted place to shop from. So people don't go straight to Amazon, basically. Pretty much. Pretty much. While we're talking about shopping... And shopping on Google, we have an update on Google Web Stories. So Google Web Stories, if you can cast your mind back, if you are a regular listener, to episode 71, I think was the last time um, I found we spoke about them. They are the offshoot of AMP, the accelerated mobile pages, which is a visual way to tell a story within search results. So I described them at the time a bit like Instagram stories. So you tap on them, 
you get some nice kind of pictures you can scroll through it it's very 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 visual way to um, interact with search and we now are going to get shopping stories so i think the best way to if if i described web stories as basically kind of copying instagram stories <laughs> i guess i would describe shopping stories as if you copied instagram and then copied instagram a bit more this the, is the what, instagram shop functionality specifically it's basically yeah that. you can literally tag the images with the products and uh, if you've ever seen an instagram ad with or an instagram uh, product basically linked on there various things you can link multiple things in one photo you can have it one image per product however you want to do it but as soon as you see oh there's a little price tag there's a little thing connected you can click through just like you do on instagram so yeah instagram is having a weird influence and uh being copied once again it seems i really didn't like that phase where every platform put stories mm. on it so twitter had you miss fleets, fleets. yeah oh and the, i mean that was bad enough i, I didn't lasted like that. about six weeks to be fair but when linkedin had stories <laughs> I mean, LinkedIn is bad <laughs> enough already. Like, the last thing you, you need is that. Minute like, by minute business updates from people. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, this, this is obviously a way for people to have direct call to actions in these stories. And if, if there's one thing we've learned, it's that if you want to get businesses to do a thing, it's try, you know, make a way for them to make money from, from doing it, right? So I'm, I'm sure that we will see more pickup on the stories now that they've got a shopping functionality than we did when they're just web stories because you know for for people that spring to mind someone like ikea being able just to lay out that living room in a story for a new range and be like here are the things here's how much it cost you can click to buy them that's a much nicer better user experience proposition than text results in a in a in a SERP. Yeah, and I think being able to tag multiple things, I think you're totally right with a company like IKEA, for example, where you tie into the overall vibe and the interior design of a particular piece. Rather than just having, here is a chair on a white background, you can show this is a chair with a desk, and then there's a lamp on that desk, and there's a mirror on the wall behind that lamp. And it's all one long, beautiful little connected piece of advertising for all of IKEA's different bits and pieces all in one image rather than having to have here's a thing with a white background with a weird Swedish name, here's a thing with a white background <laughs> another unpronounceable Swedish name okay great, actually having it all there and being able to just look and see prices straight away and see oh the lamp is £30, the mirror is £20, the desk is 150 the chair is 80 and just being able to be like okay so like £300 of the whole thing great and you can just get that experience straight away without having to click through and look at individual bits and pieces actually seems kind of convenient and hopefully it will have a yeah a positive impact and i think you're totally right mark and bringing through the ability for people to directly make money from this is going to definitely incentivize people to get more involved in it than just here's a lovely web story <laughs> that's always how the conversation goes when something new kind of comes out and a team introduces it you know normally to stakeholders or management it's like oh there's a new cool thing and it's like yeah, cool. yeah, yeah that's great that's great that's great how do we make money from that yeah exactly so <laughs> we can Tag stuff in now to sell it. Brilliant, do it. Yeah. yeah. So this is expected to launch before April. So obviously we're already in the start of March, so the next few weeks. There is a live demo up on GitHub. We'll link to it in the show notes, search.withcanda.co.uk. So 
if you're in fashion, anything like that, homeware could be really nice uh, feature for you, especially if you want to be a front runner and, and get it live. And that's everything we've got time for in this episode. And we'll be back, of course, in one week's time, which will be Monday, the 14th of March. And until then, from myself and on behalf of my co-host, Jack Chambers, I hope you have a lovely week. Thank you.